Hey everybody, welcome to Miscast Commentary. I am Joe Finley and this is a coming attractions episode. Uh, Todd Murray, off to sea, don't know where he is. Well, I know roughly where he is because we've texted, but he's alive. This isn't like some kind of Shelly Miscavige situation. Uh, we know where he is. I'll eventually show him to you and you'll be thrilled. Uh, not a ton to talk about. We actually have a very short turnaround between this episode and our next movie because our next movie is going to be released as a Halloween bonus episode, uh, which we do with these movies, as you well know. Not a lot in the way of news. Uh, rumor has it that they might be making a live-action version of Marvel's What If, given the uh, success of the animated version, so that'd be interesting to see. Uh, I got to go see The Eternals, It was an honor to get to go and screen The Eternals. It did not um, satisfy me. I do have a bone to pick, though, because I saw somebody on uh, social media basically saying that, oh, all these people who aren't liking The Eternals, it's just because they're a bunch of homophobes and all this stuff because there's a gay character in it. No. And I even responded to the thing. I'm like, homophobe is the furthest thing from... Uh, who I am. There are genuine problems with the movie. And like this, this girl said, she said it on TikTok and she's like, the movie has some flaws, but it's perfectly fine. If the only, the only person somebody wouldn't like it is because there's a gay character could not be further from the truth. The movie is so poorly made. It's so lazily written. Uh, but I have had a lot to say about, uh, the one thing because a lot of people were complaining that, the gay character being put into there. Oh, they're forcing gay characters in. They're forcing wokeness. And I had a lot to say about that because uh, I'll, I'll just repeat it here. But if you don't take the action to actually bring these things to the screen, this isn't forcing it. This is just putting it there. That would be like me putting down my pop and you telling me you forced your pop onto the table. If you don't put them in front of people to see, they can never be normalized. So every time somebody attempts to put something on the screen they're being accused of forcing something. And that's not the case. They're just trying to show you that this is a normal part of life. And the fact that you're hiding it is much worse than putting it out there. Okay? So, I mean, that's all I got for that. Go watch my video on the uh, review. Uh, you'll get more of my thoughts on that. Also, uh, if you are listening to this episode and not watching, I'm going to actually put the review at the end of this episode, so you can uh, give it a listen for yourself. But I do highly recommend that you check out the video, and as always, hit the likes and the subscribes and the notifications and all the things that make you do. I'm like Bill Cosbying right now with the like and the and the subscribe and the bit bit bit. Wah! Yeah, he's a good timely character to be doing right now, right? I don't like the idea that you're not allowed to not like something because they've been inclusive that has nothing to do inclusive is fantastic i'm so pro-inclusive but then tell a good story black panther didn't have this problem uh, shang chi didn't have this problem got crazy rich asians didn't have this problem like all these different movies did not have this problem why on earth did this movie and guess what it's not because they had one gay character but anyways, go check that out either way. So uh, if you're watching the YouTube, uh, which side? I don't know. It's I think this side. Uh, you can click the little card to watch the review there. Otherwise, you'll hear it at the end of the episode. 
you non-i users, you. All right, but let's just get right into it. Let's talk about Sunday. We are doing a special Sunday Halloween episode. And if you've been counting along with us, you know we're doing Halloween 5 this year, The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, I had forgotten almost every detail about this movie, as did Todd. And we were watching it, and we were kind of blown away. But I honestly enjoyed it. Not as just a Halloween slasher kind of whatever thing, but like they added all this other kind of like supernatural nonsense to it. And while it's nonsense, it was just enjoyable nonsense. It's like, oh, at least they're trying something, you know, I'll, I'll give it its due. But yeah, it's a lot of fun for a bad movie. So uh, let's give a listen to the trailer. Sheriff, they want you down to the cemetery. Today in the cemetery, Somebody dug up a coffin. It was a coffin of a nine-year-old girl. You've come back to us, Michael. When are they going to realize that she is not him, she's just a child? They know that Michael Myers is her uncle and that she attacked her stepmother. That's why they fear her. Especially on Halloween. You're afraid. You're afraid the whole thing might start to happen again. How many people did he kill last year? Have you forgotten? But you never looked into his face, did you? You never saw his eyes. You never saw that nothing, no expression, blank. My memory goes back 12 years. I prayed that he would burn in hell. But in my heart, I knew that hell would not happen. Michael Myers is outside. The National Guard will take him to a maximum security facility. But he'll stay till the day he dies. Never die. All right, guys, Halloween 5, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, very excited about this one. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it as well. Make sure you come and watch it on YouTube if you want to see us interact with the movie, if you know, you're the kind of person who likes to do laundry or whatever else and you're listening. You're still allowed to listen. This was podcast first, so, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not kicking you out of the podcast verse, but... Come and give us a peek, you know? Give us a peek over here. Ah, meh, meh, see? So yeah, like I said, this is a really short one. I just wanted to let you know that we're doing a movie this Sunday to keep an eye out for that. And you can go and check out 
the review of Eternals. And that's kind of our combined coming attractions episode for this week. So uh, I hope you enjoy those things. And like I said, make sure to like and subscribe. And uh, if you're podcasting, rate and review and all the different things that help us kind of get seen out there. I appreciate it very much. I've been appreciating all the support. We've been getting a lot of views lately and stuff like that. So until Sunday, guys. We're going to party with Halloween. So we hope to catch you on Sunday. Watch along with us. Have some fun. We're yelling obscenities probably. And then we'll follow up the next week with another Coming Attractions episode. And get right back into the swing of things. We've got a little bit of time before we start getting back into holiday movies. So until then, peace. Hey everybody, welcome back to Miscast Commentary. I am Joe Finley and today I went and saw The Eternals. And it wasn't the best experience I've ever had, I'll be honest with that. Uh, let's start with the trip itself. Now, this has nothing to do with my opinion of the movie. It was just a crazy uh, story that went on. So I worked an overnight shift. So I worked until 7 a.m. in Toronto. And that's where the screening was. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll stay and I'll hang out and I'll go when it's time. And it was uh, a 10 o'clock screening. So I head over there around quarter after eight and I got there around 8.30, just killed a little bit of time in my car. And about 8.45, I head over to the theater uh, because last time when I went and saw No Time to Die, uh, with about an hour to go, the whole place was lined up around the inside of the building to check in. So I was like, all right, I want to try and be as early as possible. And I get there, all the doors are locked. Okay, no problem. Maybe it was just a little bit off. Maybe it's like right at an hour they'll open up the doors. Nope, that didn't happen. It was about 10 after 9 that somebody finally like popped open a door and they're like, would you like to come in? Because it was raining and cold out. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to come in. And I'm like, I'm here for the screening. The guy's like, yep, no problem. So it's going to be in the AVX theater. Okay, cool. I head upstairs. Not a soul in the building. Like most of the staff hasn't shown up yet. There's two people who are clearly management getting the theater ready. There's one person who's sitting off to the side with a laptop waiting for something. And then one person comes in and she's wearing just, you know, her coat and that she's just coming in. And she asked me, she's like, uh, can I help you with something? Because it's very weird that I'm there being the only non-employee there and i'm like yeah i'm here for the eternal screening and she's like there is no eternal screening and like my brain exploded but there is an eternal screening and i showed her my email and said 10 a.m it's the right date like i'm making sure now of everything because i've stayed i'm staying up so late at this point that i'm like i can't be wrong please don't let me be wrong everything was right okay cool she disappears but now i have that pit in my stomach nobody's here she just told me there is no screening. Is there a piece of information I don't have? So I end up going up to one of those management people. I'm like, yeah, hi, I'm just here for the screening uh, for the Eternals today. And they're like, yeah, no, it's happening. I'm like, okay, good. I'm like, I'm just very weirded out because nobody's here. <laughs> and I would say another 15 minutes went by before another soul entered the building. I kept peeking around the corner to see if the Disney reps arrived to set up a table for check-in or whatever, because it was a very big official thing when we went to the Bond thing. Nope, that didn't happen. And it was maybe, yeah, it was so much later, like I said, about 20 minutes until another pair of bodies arrived. And I'm like, okay, good. There's people here now. I feel better. And eventually the Disney rep arrives. They come in with a laptop saying they got to go test the movie and blah, blah, blah. And eventually we get it. And it's about 20 minutes to the showtime. And there's seven of us. Like this does not bode well. <laughs> So I get there. Eventually the theater fills up more. I'd say there was probably about 60 reviewers there 
at that point. And then the movie starts. And I'm going to tell you, this is not like any other Marvel movie. And maybe that's why I feel the way I feel about it. But it starts with this opening crawl to kind of let you know who these people are because nobody seems to know who the Eternals are. And they just give you this little information right off the bat. But the information doesn't exactly match up. Like, it's in spirit what they meant. But what I'm reading and what I'm expecting to see end up being two different things. So that's kind of weird off the bat. You also get really, like, right off the bat, you get this, like, cool hero shot of the whole team. And it's so unearned because you don't even know who any of these people are. I didn't know. I looked up the IMDb and I couldn't remember anybody's characters' names when uh, they popped in. So that was weird. Again, it just, everything felt very awkward at the beginning. Then you jump ahead to present day. So this was kind of not an origin story per se, but just like their early story. And then you jump to present day and you're starting to get a sense of these people in a present day world. And the the essential thing, if you don't know, is the Eternals are all immortal people who have been defending Earth since, you know, 5000 BC. And their only job is to defend against these things called deviants, which are like these big monster guys. And kind of the first person you meet is Gemma Chan's character, Cersei, uh, and her power in it is she can basically turn anything into anything else. So uh, something's flying. It's in the trailer actually where a bus flips over and she turn, turns it into something else so it just like flitters away uh that's essentially her deal and you just get this basic idea of how they've been living in the world uh for so long and you also see right off the bat kit harrington i forgot he was in this actually when he showed up i'm like oh my god the stark brothers are in the house uh and what makes it even crazier is the stark brothers are in a love triangle with Gemma chan because kit harrington is her current boyfriend Richard Madden, as Icarus, is her former boyfriend. But you start meeting the characters. You meet Sprite, who is like an illusionist. Uh, she creates all these little things, and she's kind of like a permanent child. And then you meet Richard Madden, who is essentially like an exact Superman ripoff, to the point where at one point in the movie, somebody just keeps calling him Superman. I'm like, how is that even allowed to be a thing? You're basically calling out the whole craziness of it i like the fact that they let that slide is uh astounding to me but eventually we get into kind of the main chunk of the plot which the deviants are back they thought they were gone uh they need to get the old team back together and go from there this is the longest get the team back together i've ever seen in my life i don't think you get to the last guy until about an hour and 15 in the movie and that's halfway through the movie. It's a two-hour, 30-minute movie. And you don't meet your last guy officially, like, as a person in present day until then. Because every time you go see a character, you have a flashback that's 10 minutes long. And then you get back to present day and you meet one person. Then you go back to a flashback. And then you go back to present day. And then you go back to a flashback. And then you go back to present day. And I'm literally sitting there. I'm like, I know there's more Eternals than this. Which is another problem with the movie. Too many Eternals. <laughs> for how long it took them to introduce everybody. For how much time they have to give everybody and stuff like that. I would have cut that number maximum five. Guardians had a pretty decent way of introducing everybody. Groot was the easiest because you could just say, this is Groot. He says, I am Groot. Done. 
you get a little bit with Rocket, you get a little bit with each of those people, and on with your adventure. But you have these all these people who are all very kind of mysterious in their backstory, uh, but they decide to give their backstory as, well, here's what happened in, you know, ancient Babylon or something like that. And... And then you get to see, oh, this is what they're doing in the current day. Uh, some of the characters pop immediately. Uh, I didn't really care that much for Sprite at any point during the thing. Uh, I've always liked Gemma Chan, so she instantly pops. And as the first person you see, she's kind of like, oh, you get that instant lead feel. Um, Salma Hayek has this kind of motherly uh, leadership kind of role in it, which is wonderful. Uh, Angelina Jolie is... I mean, as fantastical as her character is and all this stuff, she's essentially just Angelina Jolie with swords, um, which is not an insult at all. It kind of works perfectly for her. Uh, who else do we got? We got Kumail Nanjiani as Kingo. And his story, his was actually my favorite story that he did. It was the best use of being an immortal human being uh, of all the ones that I saw, I thought that was really cool. And then uh, Brian Tyree Henry in it as well. Uh, he's got an interesting story, and he has, I'm sure there's going to be people who complain, oh, this is forced, this is forced. And I actually have a thought, so I'm going to spoil it, the tiniest little thing. It's not a story spoiler, it's just a character spoiler, is that he's gay in this. He has a husband, and he has a child. Now... I was thinking about people going, why do you always have to force this in? Why do you always have to force this in? And this is my thought process on that. You have to force things until they feel normal. Because if you don't force things, because nobody's just going to be okay with just, like, if you just put it in, everybody is automatically, you're forcing it. You're making it so there has to be a gay person in here. Or it has to be a person of color or a trans person or whatever it is. But the problem is, if you don't make those first steps then it never has a chance to be a normal thing on screen. So how does something become normal? You get used to it. Put people on screen who have those stories, and people will just be like, oh yeah, that's just a thing now. And then when people do it next time, it's not forced all of a sudden. It's just a part of life, almost like actual gay people, trans people, and people of color. They're just out there. Get used to it. Okay, off my soapbox for the thing. That was just something I was thinking about, kind of philosophizing while sitting by myself in a dark room going, what the hell am I watching? So by the time we get everybody together, we have a basic sense of what's going on, and you learn a bit more about their characters. And once we get to that point, you feel like you kind of have like a, a movie going. You have some momentum going. But the problem is it took half of the movie to get there. And at this point, I'm only really enjoying a few characters. You're invested in virtually nobody uh, because they haven't really established huge stakes. There's been some things that have happened, but you're not really thinking much about it. You're just kind of like, all right, well, I don't really know any of these people and you lose them. It's like, well, okay, fine. And if you're surprised at like, if you know, somebody like not being in parts of the movie they're in other parts in flashbacks and stuff like that so it's kind of like you're not losing anybody ever at any point but you're also not getting a chance because of the size of the group you're not getting a huge chance to meet anybody or to kind of see how they mesh together you get the odd little chunk of time where two people are talking to each other and you're like i have no 
sense of this group whatsoever. I just know their mission. And that's weird. So other people in the movie, uh, Leah McHugh is playing Sprite. Uh, she's got, I honest to God, I didn't know. I thought it was, I thought it was a, like a CG boy at first, but it's not. She's just got a lot of character in her face and she's wearing this weird, like kind of Peter Panish kind of wig. But yeah, I just didn't know. And like, that was just based on promos and stuff like that. Cause you're only getting little uh, hints of everything. You realize right away, oh, okay, this is a person. Then you have Lauren Ridloff from The Walking Dead, who is a deaf character and a, well, a deaf actress and a deaf character. Uh, she's like the Flash, essentially. She's a super speedy uh, person. And my main thing about her is that they didn't really do anything fun with the speed, like they had one scene that gave you kind of some idea that wasn't the exact same thing that you see in Quicksilver or The Flash or anybody else. It was just, I was like, they needed an opportunity to make something more artistic, more um, creative, I think, for that. And also, no problem with having a hearing impaired actress in the movie. I think that's awesome because... You know, when you give them a chance, you get Marley Matlin and she wins an Oscar. But every time they stopped because she used uh, American Sign Language to communicate. So you kind of had this moment of like building tension with dialogue and then it just stops and everything goes quiet for a second so she can say what she has to say. Again, not an issue that she's doing that. It was just a real break in the pace of dialogue when the whole group was together. Because you have one person say this, then you have one person say this, and then just blank. And you're like, oh, okay. And then back to people talking and stuff like that. Good for all the Eternals, though, for knowing ASL. I appreciated that. Uh, Barry Keegan playing Druig, who is a, like a mind control kind of guy. Just really hard to get a handle on him as a character. Uh, he was meh. He looks a lot like Ezra Miller, too, which didn't help me. I kept thinking about that every time. I'm like, oh, man, he's really making his way around. I'm like, no, it's not him. I don't remember his name, but it's not him. Don Lee uh, is Gilgamesh. He's really good, actually, in it. He is funny, but strong, and that sort of thing. Like, he's the kind of guy that you want. Like, he has a role in the group, and I got that. And like everybody technically has a role, but he, his, when he's acting, you feel it. Um, who else really kind of has that, you know, Richard Madden as Icarus, uh, very much a stand up leadership. He is your, uh, Captain America. He is your Cyclops. He is, you know, he's, he's that guy. He's your, he's your every man, except like beautiful every man. Jesus Christ. I'm totally okay with them uh, casting him as Bond, by the way. I think I'm kind of on board with that right now. So the next big problem comes when the big reveal happens as to this is what you're actually fighting for. And everybody's kind of just wishy-washy on what to do about it. There's a few ideas floating around. Oh, what if we do this? Or what if we do this? But it's kind it's like a we have to save the world situation and there's no like we got to do this, whatever. And then there's other people like we shouldn't do anything. It leads to an important confrontation because there's no central antagonist to the whole movie. The, the situation is kind of the antagonist and then every now and again something shows up for them to fight uh, without spoilers here. I'm going to do a spoiler version of this too which will let me yell a bit more. Uh, when I'm not going to uh, release that until the day of so uh, you can come back and look for it at that time. All is said and done with the main big thing and then every 
ending again because all these characters get kind of their own little ending and it was just a pile of disappointing everyone seemed random and lazy it was just like what do we do i don't know make this guy do this and what do we do oh make this person do this make these two people go do this nothing in the movie feels explained enough given the fact that nobody knows these characters. It's not like you're doing a Spider-Man movie and the expectation is, okay, well, we know what's going on with Spider-Man, so we can just kind of get into it. Like, I, we know nothing about these people. And, like, they treated Guardians properly, where they talked about it, and they're like, hey, here's what's going on, here's who these people are, here's kind of where they fit into the world. This was, like, nothing. They're just like, yeah, they've been here. Cool. I'm really disappointed in this movie. I stayed up for 22 hours to go watch this movie and I could not be more bummed out about it. So the movie ends and you get your hands on two uh, post-credit scenes, a mid-credit and a post-credit scene, both of which introduce you to a situation and or characters that, again, nobody knows. I get like comic fans will know and that's great for them. But the average person who has watched all the MCU movies but not read all these comics are looking at these people and going, who are you and why do I care about who you are? And they're trying to like name drop other people so you have some kind of connection. And then you get a sense of them and you're like, I don't know what you are. Like, Maybe you're a threat. Maybe you're not a threat. Maybe you're interesting. Maybe you're not interesting. But the whole point is it's setting up a sequel that I'm not entirely sure they should make. And the one thing that the post credit scenes or any part of the movie fails to do is connect it to the MCU. And I'm not saying that every movie necessarily has to, but everything has been, and this has been a part of this phase of the MCU. So you would expect that something would come into place that would really give you a, hey, this is going to connect to Multiverse of Madness or... Uh, or maybe the next Guardians or the next Thor or something. Everything feels so hopelessly disconnected and it's all stuff you've never heard of. Like to the point where I feel like they could have just made up all these new characters. Like Marvel didn't have a comic for any of this and they're just like, yeah, this is the thing. And then they're revealing things to you like you're supposed to be all invested in it. And I was not. So um, yeah, this was a hard watch. And it's a long movie to be a hard watch, two and a half hours. So, um, you know, most people out there are completionists. You're going to go see the movie despite my uh, recommendation or lack thereof. But just be mindful. I would love to hear your thoughts on the movie. If you like the movie, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. I'm, I say this about everything. I say this about all the, the Snyder stuff and everything. If you like the movie, great. I don't agree, but great, because that means you walked out with a positive experience, and that makes me really happy for you. I lost my wallet during the screening of No Time to Die, and I felt a million times worse after this movie. And just, like, aimless. I was just like, what, what did I do? What happened? And just the whole drive home was like, what's happened? What's become of me? Who am I? And, uh, yeah. That's what we've got to deal with. So um, anyways, I hope you enjoyed what I had to say about the video. If you want to hear more about the spoilers and stuff like that, have you seen the movie later on, whatever, uh, and you want to hear what I have to say about what's actually going on in the movie, because I don't want to wreck anything for you other than the fact that, ah, but um, you can always go check that video out. I'd love to hear 
in the comments on either side what you thought about the movie, uh, whether or not you think maybe I was just too tired and cranky to deal with it or what. Make sure if you enjoy that you click like, click subscribe, uh, hit the uh, notification bell, all those wonderful things that help us get seen as a whole. And until next time, guys, peace. This has been Miscast Commentary with your hosts, Joe Finley and Todd Murray. Executive producer, Joe Finley. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Visit www.miscastcommentary.com for all news related to the podcast. Miscast Commentary is a Miscast Media Production.